You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Ephesians 5, and if you would like to stand, that's fine. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, Heavenly Father, touch our hearts tonight. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know your particular story of how you became born again. Some of us have seen pretty awesome darkness. And we've been, oh, I'm supposed to turn that on? I thought I had a big enough mouth, brother. How's that work again? There, I got a green light. Amazing. All right. And and here I was. I thought I had a big enough mouth. But anyway. Okay. Uh, I don't know, again, what darkness you've lived under before you became converted. Now, there's some evangelist that said, well, two and a half people were, were saved tonight. And the person said, well, oh, so two adults and one child. No, 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 you got it wrong. Two children and one adult. Because the children have their whole life ahead of them, where the adult has had half of their life already gone. So some of us were saved at a young age. Some of us grew up in homes where we, we heard, we went to church every time the doors were open. We, we, had, we either read the scripture or a Bible study and prayed together as a family every night. Some of us grew up that way. But we still had sinful hearts, didn't we? We still needed to be converted. We still needed to come to that point where we realized that our sins separated us from God and we needed to repent and trust Christ. And so we did become converted. We did become changed. We did become a new creation in Christ Jesus and the darkness was gone. Praise the Lord for that. And and when we read this verse and we realize that darkness is unfruitful, would you agree with me about that? That fellow that thinks he can look at that internet in the wee hours of the morning and nobody knows and he wonders why his relationship with his wife is suddenly soured. Because it's the unfruitful works of darkness, folks. See, and and when you have this unfruitfulness going on in your life, you have no power. You want to know why we don't have revival? We've got Christians that are sliding back into the darkness. We've got Christians that that have unfruitfulness, they have no power, they have no Holy Spirit because he's been grieved and he's no longer working with them. And we wonder why we're not effective in our witnessing. We wonder, do I have to tell you that, you know, the month of October, do I have to tell Christians that we don't endorse Halloween? We don't decorate for it. We, we, we shut the lights off and close the doors and act like we're not at home. And we don't, we don't give to the trick or tr- do, unless it's a tract, okay? All right? 
Do I have to tell you we don't do things like that? Do I have to tell you that we, we don't mess with Ouija boards? Do I have to tell you that, that Harry Potter is not something you need to let your kids be reading or watching? Do I have to tell you that? Those are works of darkness, folks. Somehow it got a little bit quieter. See, we went, to, we went to summer camp with a lady who said, oh, but you have to understand, Harry Potter, it's just fantasy. Well, let me tell you something. It will ensnare your children. It might even ensnare you. I think it affected her. Do I need to tell you that we don't need to have dream catchers? You know, when Pam and I first came to the ministry there, Eventually, I had to get rid of four dream catchers. Two of them were in the pastor's study. Do I need to explain to you that these are things of darkness? We don't need those in our lives. We need to get these things gone. Do I need to tell you about the medicine wheel? Do I need to tell you about the eagle feather? Do I have to tell you about... You know why, you know why the eagle feather is revered? Because that, that was the critter... Pardon me, I, I revert to Southern every once in a while. But uh, that's the critter that flew closest to the great spirit. Well, I'm just going to change that. I'm going to put a satellite. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, never mind. You'll catch that. But, uh, you know, you worship the creator, not the creation. Do I have to tell you that? So you get rid of the eagle feathers. I don't care how many generations it's been passed down to you. You get rid of the medicine wheel. You get rid of the dream catchers. The problem today is we have Christians that don't have enough discernment. Would you agree with me? Now look, if you're going to have some power in your life, you need to develop some discernment. Discernment. Discernment is the missing ingredient for a lot of us. We read this verse and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And we're like, well, yeah, but we sound like Solomon. Yeah, right. It doesn't apply to me. I, I heard a fellow say, oh, yeah, I can get one of those, one of those things for, for my home, for my computers that will block all the bad stuff. But, you know, I'm stronger than that. I don't need that. And two years later, he and his wife break up. Tell me he didn't need it. Really? He didn't have the discernment to understand his own sinful nature that he still has to fight every day. And when we, we talk about discernment, of course we understand 1 John 4, 1 that says we're supposed to try the spirits. Right? And yet we've got Christians that... that now, now, I'm going to draw one parallel here. And then I'm going to get real specific. We've got a fellow that has written a book, something about being driven around by a porpoise or something. I, I don't know exactly what that. But anyway, he sold 34 million books. And it hasn't changed America. Right? 34 million books. You would think that some there'd be some meat in that book that would that would get Christians fired up to live for God and do the right things. But America hasn't changed by the impact of that book. Am I right? 
And yet we've got Christians that pick up a book and they read in the preface, oh, I went to a retreat in France and I did this, now I don't know how to pronounce this right, contemplative prayer, okay? Contemplative prayer, whatever you wanna call it. Okay, I don't know. But uh, anyway, oh, I went to this retreat and I listened to all of that and, and I began to do this, this special prayer thing and I did the, you know, all of this and you know what? I got my very own familiar spirit and I started writing books and I sit down at my table and I put the pen in my hand and it's actually my familiar spirit that does the auto writing. And she has sold millions of books. And Christians read those books and they wonder, they wonder why they're powerless. Listen, if you're reading a book written by someone who is not the someone that's really writing the book, it's really a familiar spirit that's writing the book, then you're sliding back into the darkness. You don't even know it. It's so subtle. Okay? We talk about compromise, and that's the big, the big thing that bugs us. Again, when we first came to Flandreau, I don't know how many times I heard someone say, we never criticize anyone else's religion. Well, if it's not lined up with God's word, you should. I mean, I'm, you know, all right. You say, well, what are you? Are you a Calvinist or Arminian? Well, you know what? Once you get past eternal security and you're trying to talk to a Calvinist, they redefine every word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can, I mean, you know, we're talking about John Calvin, the guy that because a 12-year-old girl smarted off to her mother, he had the 12-year-old's head cut off. Boy, that was a real Christian thing to do. I'm just saying, okay? And we're supposed to follow his doctrine? And he got his doctrine from, can anybody tell me where he got his doctrine? Augustine. So, you know, you want to follow somebody like that and they're not right doctrinally, but, but I'm supposed to compromise with them? Really? This is where we are in America. We, you know, and, and <clears throat> you know about cooperative evangelism, don't you? That's so instead of reaching 10, you'll reach 10,000. But you've got people up on the platform behind you that are there because they're important, but they don't even know how to wear their collar the right way. It's backwards. Right? And we call that cooperative evangelism. And we're, we're so thrilled that we won so many. But the thing is, at the end of the week, when you've had all these that come to the altar and fill out a card, if they say this denomination and they're saved now out of that because they heard a, a good message that, that zeroed in on the gospel and their need and they really got born again, you gotta send them right back to that denomination where they never were fed. And that's cooperative evangelism. Say, you know, 
1905, America started down the path of uh, the Marxism sliding into the churches. Did you know that? It was called the, the Federal Council of Churches back then. And they began to slowly involve the churches at the upper levels. You know, the guys that were well-educated, the guys that were well-moneyed and all of that, those people, and they slid into the socialism, the collectivism in the churches. They changed it from the Federal Council of Churches to the National Council of Churches, all of that. And we're supposed to, look, just go online and check some of these mainline denominations. Check their websites. See what they believe. And, and people are like, well, you can't criticize them. Really? If they're not tied to the, the word of God in the right way, how, how, how can I cooperate with them? Yeah. See? How can, how, now, now you can go and have a friend who's enmeshed in one of these denominations and they think they can't leave because they've got a lifetime invested in it and maybe they can't, but you can still give them the truth. And they can still have to think about it. And they'll know the truth because you're declaring it to them. They may never, they may never get the courage to leave because they've got five and six generations of their family that went to that church and they're not about to leave and all their friends are there and that's a terribly big step for them. But they better be hearing the truth from you. You best not compromise the truth with them. So we talk about discernment. We talk about positivity. And I, Pam and I went to a school <clears throat> where uh, the leader of the school said, we will never speak negative about another Christian work. Okay, that's fine. That school is out of business today. No longer sending pastors and missionaries out. How sad. Now the last time I checked, every time there's a power source, there's a power source. Yeah, okay. All right. Do you know you have to have a positive and a negative in order for the power to work? Did you know that? Anybody that works with batteries or, or electricity? You know that. You have to have a power source that has a positive and a negative. If all you're doing is emphasizing the positive, again, you're going you're gonna to be lacking the power that you need. See, that's, that's discernment. Oh, I'm just so happy with everybody that names the name of Jesus. Really? I think you better check and make sure it's the right Jesus. Okay? I mean, Jesus may be calling, but, but you better know which Jesus it is that's calling. Amen? See? And, and, and if, it's, if you need to speak up and say, that is the wrong Jesus that you're listening to. You need to be bold enough to do that. You need to be able to say that. Some people that say, well, you know, it's this stillness and this openness and this receptivity. I can just, oh, I can just feel the spirituality just flooding over. 
What spirituality is it? Do you know? See, heaven forbid we have a church that's, that has yoga classes. Really? Do you know even the Hindus say you cannot divorce yoga from the religion of Hinduism? Where do you think karate came from? Another Eastern religion. So you say, well, I'm going to be a Christian and do this. I can't. Well, maybe you can. Maybe you're, maybe you're, you're stronger than I am about it. But I would suggest that you make sure that your discernment is where it needs to be and be able to break it off at the very first sign that it's developing into something else. Yoga and karate. Heaven forbid you go to a chiropractor that says, well, let's just try Reiki on you. Let's just try these chakras on you. That again is stuff from Eastern mysticism that that you don't need in your life. These are things that are real today that we, we are working against. Now, not so much in Flandria. We only have 2,400 people. But all of this is involved. We will rub elbows with somebody that thinks, it's all fine. I can do this in the name of my Christianity. And I'm thinking, you don't have a nickel's worth of discernment. But you know, as we read this verse, we go to the last part of it where it says, but rather reprove them. And may I say that we have a duty. Yeah, there's darkness and we need to have some discernment. But the last facet of us, of this for us is that we need to understand our duty. When I was growing up, we lived across the street from Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And back in those days, of course, it was the home of the 101st Airborne Division. And from where I lived, I could see the planes come from the airfield and on this route, and they'd fly to the back of the base. And you'd see these little dots drop out of the plane, and then the chutes would open, and it was practice time. And Usually on Sundays after lunch, we would go for a ride. It wasn't exactly a joy ride, but we did get to see a lot of things. And that's, you know, part of the, that, that's, well, depending on whether or not you, you think that a Sunday afternoon nap is a sacred thing. <laughs> Some of us think it is, you know. I mean, you get to a certain age and it's like, well, don't mess with my Sunday afternoon nap, okay? That's sacred time, you know? But anyway, we would go for rides and sometimes we'd go on to Fort Campbell and back in those days it was, you drive in the main gate and they recognized us and so we could go in. We had a 57 Buick Roadmaster and so we would ride on the base and we'd go towards the back end of the, of the base where the training actually happened. And we would drive some of those roads and cross some of those bridges and drive some more roads. And we saw this one little road and my dad turned the car in and we drove up just a little bit. And there was a gun emplacement up on the hillside. Now, I don't know what size gun it was. And I don't mean a gun like a 22, 
I'm talking about a three or four inch shell. And he drove in there and all of a sudden that barrel began to move and became aimed right at our car. And my dad is, he's got the wheel and he's kind of looking and he's like, hits the brake. He looks at that and that barrel continues to come down and point directly at us. And he's like, okay, reverse. And we back out of there. Now let me tell you something. That was his duty to protect us from sure damage, destruction. Listen, we're supposed to reprove, we're supposed to warn. Okay? We're supposed to take care of those that are in our charge. When you see your kids playing with something that they don't need to be playing with, you need to warn. No, we're not going to go to Weeby Toys. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have that place anymore. Oh, that Toys R Us. Excuse me. I get, I get the words kind of mixed up. But uh, uh, we don't go there and buy these certain things like eight balls. You remember the old eight balls? How many, how many remember the old eight balls? Remember? Yeah. Really? That is just getting them started on that sort of stuff. See? You turn it over. What's it say? Oh, I better believe that. No, you don't. See, what'd your horoscope say today? Oh, it was horrible. You know, Hezekiah had a son named Manasseh who sat on the throne of Judah and had a familiar spirit and followed after enchantments and listened to wizards and all the rest of it. Are you listening? How would you like to be? I'm not talking about Israel, the ten, the, the ten tribes. I'm talking about Judah, where everybody is a descendant of David down through the line. And I'm talking about somebody that was exposed to the truth because Hezekiah got there. He knew what the truth was. And this man ruled for 55 years in Judah and had a familiar spirit. Where was his discernment? But more importantly, where was his duty? Now look. We have to warn. We have to warn. You know, we have all the revelation of God. You know that, right? We don't need somebody telling us, oh, if you'll just read my book. I've got new revelations from the Lord. No, they don't. It's from a false Jesus. And you go home, if you've got one of those books in your, on your shelf, you read the preface or the foreword. I always get those mixed up, who does what on those. It doesn't matter. But she tells people exactly how she's doing this. And if you find out that she is consulting with a familiar spirit to write those things that are in that book, you need to throw that thing out. I mean that. 
And all of us need to be helping each other to get to that. You know, uh, you're supposed to have a bibliography when you do, do a message, right? Are you supposed, do you give your bibliography out? You know, well, you know, there's a fellow that wrote a book called The Seduction of Christianity. It was copyrighted in 85. Nothing's changed since then. He wrote another book, Beyond Seduction. Both of them detail many, many things that, that I can't cover tonight. It's supposed to be a short time, right? But anyway, <laughs> all right. Uh, the seduction of Christianity, beyond seduction. There's biblical separation and the tragedy of compromise by Ernest Pickering. You need to read those. Find copies, read them, understand what I'm talking about. Uh, Fred Moritz wrote a book, Be Ye Holy, The Call to Christian Separation. See, look, I grew up, my wife grew up in homes that it was all about personal separation. You know, we didn't dance, we didn't go to proms, we didn't smoke, we didn't drink, we didn't play cards, we didn't play with dice, and on and on and on it went. Went to a Christian college. That's where we met. Looked at the rule book. These are the rules. We're like, no problem for us. We lived under tougher rules than this at home. Amen. Was out of school for 11 years. Went to another Christian school and thought I was going to get in, but, but I had a wife and three kids. I had a lot of responsibility. Uh, college is meant for somebody else to pay your school bill while you work hard to get the degree. Amen. And when you got a wife and three kids, you really have to be dedicated. But anyway, I got, got through part of the process of signing up for classes. They handed me the rule book and I looked, read through the rule book and I said, I was, you know, 11 years later, this one's easier than the other one. And it's still not a problem. It was all personal separation. Now hear me out. It took me years to understand the other end, the ecclesiastical separation end of it. And I don't want anybody here to get behind on that. It all goes together. Separation is separation. We do need the personal separation. There's no question about that. But listen, we don't need to be sliding back into darkness. Would you agree with me? Now, if we're going to stop ourselves from sliding back into darkness, we need to develop some discretion. And that's what's missing today. Churches are failing, folks. They're not sounding out the trumpet. The trumpet's giving an uncertain sound. Well, if that's happening... How are people going to know where the battle is? If you don't know, we have to have some discretion. We have to. It's our duty. And here again, as far as the quotes go, I don't know who's, who to actually ascribe this to. Some say it was Robert E. Lee. Some say it was Douglas MacArthur. Take your pick. Said, duty is the sublimest word in the English language. We have a duty, folks. Here's what it is. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Pastor, would you take care of the invitation?
We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.